All right, all you good crusaders of Crypt Nation, welcome back to the Crypto 101 podcast. I am your host, Pizza Mind, and I am joined today by the COO of Pixelmatic, Chris Wood. Pixelmatic is a video game company that is now merging cryptocurrency and video games together. So I can't wait to hear how this is going to work from their spectrum of things. Chris, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Aaron, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about this. So uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. And it's a pleasure to have you, Chris. You know, you've got some real interesting uh, gaming industry veterans over there at Pixelmatic. Uh, and you are the puppet master behind the scenes that have, you know, really brought this whole group together. Um, tell us a little more about what is Pixelmatic and what are you guys trying to build? Well, Pixelmatics, it's a traditional game studio, really. You know, we were we launched in 2011. Samson Mo is the CEO. So Samson is actually a lot of people will know him as a sort of Bitcoin luminary. He's a huge influencer in the space. Um, he did a you know a massive announcement during Bitcoin 22, for example, uh, with his recent launch of Jan 3, which is about rolling Bitcoin adoption across nation states. So he, you know, he was one of the heading up the El Salvadorian projects over there. So he's, you know, a massive Bitcoiner. But actually, what people don't know is that previously he was a video game industry executive. So he previously worked at Ubisoft uh, and Relic in in very senior positions. Um, he essentially built. Ubisoft's East, uh, East Asian success from the China office in Chengdu and worked in, on some incredible games um, like Company of Heroes, for example. If you've got any older game industry veterans who in, enjoy a bit of strategy, then Company of Heroes will definitely be one that you'll know. It's the highest, you know, most critically acclaimed uh, strategy game in, you know, in the world in, uh, by Metacritic standards. So we are a traditional video game studio and we're working on Infinite Fleet, which is a massively multiplayer online game where you are a commander of a fleet. You take charge of five of these gigantic battleships fighting for humanity um, against the Atrox aliens who are here to absolutely pepper us. So your job is to get in there, customize some ships, make a really awesome fleet and play alongside hundreds of thousands of other players to fight back against this alien menace. But yeah. Now, after watching humanity behave in the pandemic, I might <laughs> want to be Team Atrox. Is that an option? Uh, maybe down the line, possibly. I can't say anything oh, right okay, now, okay. but in, in, the, in the first place. Yeah, it's good to That's be human, fine. man. Well, I, it's getting better anyway. <laughs> um, so, and speaking of getting better, the gaming industry, you know, a lot of our listeners here at the Crypto One podcast are a little bit older. They might think of video games being something you used to go get at Best Buy in this big package. Hmm. You have to pay $50, $60 for it. And it's the kind of thing that you only buy your nephew or your son for a Christmas gift. And it's money out the door every time. And there's a new game every year, more money out the door. But this is a drastic shift when you add cryptocurrency and blockchain to it, when there's different incentives. It's not just a company making money, but it's an ecosystem that's being built in a virtual way. It's a whole different way of thinking about these things. And for people that you know may be retired or disabled, could also potentially augment their income and bring money back in the door. What's going on with this change in philosophy in the gaming industry? Well... You know, 
I think you, you have to wind the clock a little bit back and just think about the value of virtual items in general, right? Uh, particularly game items. So as you said, you know, I mean, even when I was a kid, you know, only the sort of quote unquote geeks played games, right? Now it's a massive mainstream industry that's bigger than the music and uh, movie industries combined globally, you know, Hollywood, Bollywood, all of it. It's, it's completely, it's smashing past it. It's a very, it's a huge industry. And that's and not, compound- that's not a lie either. I was just reading the other day that esports is now bigger than every major sport in the U S except for the NFL. Yeah, it won't be long. I'll tell you now it won't be that's long. crazy. Yeah. 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 It's, it's uh, video games are very much here to stay. And it's not even, you know, <laughs> it's not even at the maturation stage because the compound annual growth rate is still a 10% year on year. You know, it's still, it's absolutely obliterating um, most of the forms of media, which is why you now have AAA stars. You've got Keanu Reeves, Mads Mikkelsen, all the big stars are getting into the games now. So, and you're, and when you consider that, you know, the millennials, Gen Z and all that were living, well, what will now be post pandemic, hopefully soon, going through all these, you know, remote work, living on social media, living online, essentially, virtual goods mean a lot, you know, they actually have a really, really um, strong value. So I don't know, I can't remember when it was when the Oblivion game came out, 2008, 2009, something like that. And um, it was one of the first games, it was this really big game back in 08, I think, and they had downloadable content, which was an armor for your horse, like a, a nice piece of shiny armor for your horse. And at the time, everyone went ballistic saying, this is absolutely mental. Who on earth is going to buy armor for a horse in a game? You know, now Fortnite, they made, I think, I can't remember if they passed 2 billion or they got very, or they got close to 2 billion in their first year of operations. Uh, well, the first year the game went live completely free to play game you don't need to pay a penny to play it and get the full experience but you simply buy uh, costumes and things for your characters you know and that is a multi-billion dollar industry uh it's it's incredible so when you then take the idea that people gamers particularly do find massive value in digital items well it makes sense that players should have a free market for those items. Certainly, in my opinion, I'm sure Aaron, you would agree that what what cryptocurrency, what the blockchain technology allows for is the ability for players to have a form of ownership of their items in that they can freely trade it, you know, player to player or on any platform that they wish, rather than just under the umbrella of uh, a company. Now, typically, you know, if you play World of Warcraft and the massively multiplayer online game, typically you wouldn't be able to sell, uh, you know, the World of Warcraft gold or whatever it is, the, the, the currencies, the digital items in within that uh, game or outside of it. There are black markets. There are people that do sort of naughty things, which are against the terms and conditions, and, and they do sell these things, but there's not, a you know, you have to trust another party. And it, again, it's against the terms and conditions. So you could get blocked, you could get banned, all that kind of thing. So when you say, you know, what's this new paradigm shift? I think it's the idea that game companies don't necessarily have to be that centralized force when it comes to trading your digital goods. Now, with cryptocurrency, you can use uh, things such as atomic swaps, for example, to facilitate trade, which means that you don't need to trust the other party that you're trading with. So with an atomic swap, I can load up my 
sword of Azeroth or whatever it is. And then the other uh, transacting party can load up their digital asset and both of those tra transactions must take place or nothing happens at all. So you don't need to trust anyone. And that is really powerful because when you're trading digital goods and things like that, there's a lot of scams and stuff online and it makes it, makes it very difficult. So I think this is very powerful technology indeed when it comes to opening up free markets in not just obviously game items, but digital goods in general. But yeah, in our case, of course, game items. Yeah. Who are the leading providers of these services that are making a trustless environment for in-game item transactions? Well, I mean, we use um, a Bitcoin second layer uh, technology called Liquid. So we are, I mean, just full disclosure here, our team is very, very Bitcoin orientated. I say we build off of Bitcoin uh, specifically because we feel that at the base layer, Bitcoin is the most uh, decentralized, you know, because there is there is not one CEO of Bitcoin or something like that, you know, uh, that can change monetary policy or anything like this. We, we, we feel that Bitcoin is, is the solid base layer and we build off a second layer of that called liquid. And we think there's, there's uh, you know, it's, it's kind of early days for liquid. But we feel there's a lot of potential on there. And of course, any assets that is minted on the Liquid network can be traded uh, with, with any other asset on, on that network. So, you know, there are other play-to-earn games and things that are using technologies like, uh, you know, Solana, Ethereum, of course, um, the various other blockchains. But we opted for uh, Bitcoin because we feel it's the most battle-tested, most battle-hardened and most decentralized protocol. Uh, that being said, uh, to take things to what we're building a little bit, actually, we have a slightly different view from a lot of play to earn games out there in that as, as traditional game developers, we don't feel that the actual game assets themselves need to be on the blockchain because blockchains are slow. Um, <laughs> and it's not, it's not the best way to, to implement game items because players in order to you know interact with a lot of play to earn games they have to go through a lot of hoops it's very it's very challenging you know they may need metamask they may need to buy this or that cryptocurrency in order to participate and a lot of gamers are a little bit crypto skeptical at the moment you know it's still early days for a lot of the average gamers and they're, they're kind of put off you know by nfts and things um so for us we we don't do that and we kind of keep the blockchain under the hood and we promote this as a as an average game as just just a game like world of warcraft or eve online or anything like that you simply make an account you open a digital wallet in that account you don't even need to know that uh we use bitcoin or any kind of cryptocurrency at all you don't need to know that whatsoever and you will earn the our in-game currency inf simply by playing it by taking part by uh, joining in these events with other players and things like that and you'll learn it directly into your wallet and you never even need to know it's a cryptocurrency the point is that it is non-custodial and when you do learn that's the point where you can take it onto you know other platforms and do interesting things with it and with our spaceships which are of course nfts as well so yes, I've, sorry, I've been speaking a hell of a lot. I'll let you. No, no, that's okay. So <laughs> let, let's let's encompass that here and just to you know extract the the real value from there. So you're earning these INF tokens. What does the INF token do in that ecosystem? Mm. Sure. So it, as I was previously saying, our 
belief is in free and open marketplaces for items. Right. So that is what the INF token facilitates. So this is obviously a non-custodial token. Like I say, you open your wallet when you open the game, basically. You don't necessarily need any crypto knowledge in order to do that. But when you're taking part, you freely earn INF as you take part in the game. You can't buy it from us. It's not an investment. Um, And so... That will obviously stimulate the community to 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 do things. You know, it's it's a kind of an interesting incentive system. Um, and then what it allows for is you can it powers our marketplace, our peer to peer marketplace, where you can buy uh, ships, uh, space stations, crew members, equipment, all this kind of thing on our INF marketplace. Now, the INF marketplace is obviously a piece of software that we built. It's centralized. It's in our game server. You know, it's 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 very much for uh, something that's that we have have built and have control over, and that's that's perfectly fine. But players can take it outside uh, if they don't want to use the INF marketplace. If they want to use it player to player, if they want to use it on another platform or anything like that, that's totally their choice and free. Our INF marketplace is simply a service that we offer. So the interaction with NFTs. Now, with NFTs, in our case, we can take it analogous to the keys to the car, the keys to your spaceship, essentially. So the, the, an NFT is just a token. It's just a pointer, a certificate, right, of essentially ownership to say that you own X or Y digital asset. So our digital assets are centralized on our server and our game server and all that kind of thing. You can't take them out or anything. That's that's crazy, in my opinion. You know, a game uh, has to be centralized, but the NFT can point to uh, assets as such. And so this key can be transacted again anywhere. You know, me and you could trade something on Telegram, right? You could give me some INF, I could give you uh, the keys to my spaceship, or you could give me some other liquid asset, you know, uh, liquid Bitcoin um, or, or, or whatever other asset is minted, and, and we can trade that openly and freely. And that's just how it is with any virtual world. The NFT is a key. For example, my portals NFT is not going to actually let me, you know, take my portals room out of that world, run it on my desktop, and just have my own little virtual <laughs> world that's connected to nothing. No, it's the key to access that room on that server. So exactly that's standard and customary. Yeah. Um, just wanted to clarify that in case anyone was wondering out there, like, hmm, I don't know if this is good or bad. Because this is a brand new world. We have like very little frame of reference to you know, analyze these things. So I want to ask you some more very, very basic questions, and I hope I don't sure. bore you to death with them. But <laughs> you know, we're, we're hearing you know, this term AAA studio. And we don't know what that means. Like, is there a double A studio that's kind of good, but yeah. not that great? Is there a single A studio where it's just like a couple friends in their basement that just learned how to code and they're using <laughs> RPG Maker? You know, what does that term actually mean? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head there. So like, an, an, I guess an A studio would t- typically be called an indie studio, right? So an independent studio is something that may not, you know, they just self-publish or something like that. Very... Uh, few people maybe a team of one to 20 something like that maybe build building an, an indie game which typically is focused on uh some some specific uh game core gaming loop and feature that's that's really good fun um and like you only buy it through patreon or something uh, you could or, or i mean steam is an open platform steam's a fantastic platform okay. which you can list you know i mean the thousands of games get listed every day so there's a, there's there's so many easy ways to self-publish games these days i think this is one of the big reasons why this the uh, industry is making so much money uh because there are tens of thousands of games and anyone can t- can participate and then you have you know double a studios 
you know, that they, they tend to be teams of maybe less than a hundred. Um, you might have games like, like Siberia is an interesting game. For example, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, that would, I guess you would consider that a double A game. Um, games that you may have heard of but they're, they're just not they're not at that i guess that blockbuster level you know what i mean so trip when it comes to triple a and where we position ourselves on that triple a front is to say look we are a team of veterans here where we have the capital we have the uh, the resources and the and the the, the technology to build something that is obviously innovative, but it's at that blockbuster cinematic level that is just uh, gorgeous, kick-ass, and it's going to be a, a, a top game. So you might look at like Eve Online, World of Warcraft, this kind of thing. That's that's kind of like the competitive area that we're pushing ourselves into here when it comes to AAA. So obviously, there's <laughs> there's a high barrier to entry there, but that's that's what we're aiming for. By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, and you might have even already started investing in them. But did you know that you could invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? Uh, That's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. So iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use and it only takes a few minutes to create your account. And setting up an IRA is free and iTrust's fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. And with iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. So visit itrust.capital slash crypto 101 to start investing today. Again, that's itrust.capital slash crypto 101. Taxes and conditions may apply, fees apply, and cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. And iTrust Capital Incorporated does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. So we're talking a company with hundreds of millions of dollars invested per game, hundreds of people contributing to that game for you know, multiple years at a time to design as opposed to something like Angry Birds or yeah. Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, although, I mean, those those games do tend to have massive teams, but they're probably more focused on marketing than anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now we've got an idea. A AAA company is a really big deal. It's a real company. It's, you know, got yep. billions of dollars in market cap overall and, you know, funds invested entirely, most likely. And... What was the vision, you know, for bringing cryptocurrency in? You know, I, I've got family that works for you know some very very old video game companies that are very, you know, traditional. The, the, you could even say stuck in their ways, you know. But what, it's a model that's worked for you know fifty years. What it was that aha moment at Pixelmatic? You know, of course, Samsung's very tied in with cryptocurrency, so maybe the aha moment was from the very beginning, but. What made you guys say we need to include crypto and blockchain in Infinite Fleet and other games that we make in order to be successful? Well, the vision for us, I mean, 
interestingly, we were building Infinite Fleet, um, or at least building is a strong word. It was a it was at a concept stage uh, before we decided to implement uh, cryptocurrency into the game. Now, because it was, you know, we were a traditional game studio uh, we built and we were planning to build something really kick-ass uh, that didn't, you know, even, even have crypto involved in it. But uh, we as MMO gamers, and, you know, we're all big sort of, <laughs> yeah, we're all big gamers as such that are working on this thing, obviously, are very, 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 very familiar and used to this digital economy. Um, it makes perfect sense to us. And as you said, you know, Samson is part of that, that Bitcoin space. But before that, he was actually running, <laughs> he was running a gold farm in Lineage 2 back in the day. So he, he actually was, was doing one of these against the terms and conditions things where he had a bunch of people farming uh, gold and he was selling it. Um, so, And why it, is it against it, the terms and conditions for some of these games? That's a good question, to be honest. I think it's, there's, there's a few things. I mean, you the first question is you know anti money laundering that kind of thing to you know they want to be a little bit careful and safe on that front which you can understand um, and obviously we're we're taking a very very uh, serious view on that as well so we're we're doing a regulated offering at the moment that perhaps we can talk about later but we're working very very closely on the legal side to make sure that whatever we're doing in Infinite Fleet is very much legit um, but also I. I think it's just simply that the developers want to keep everything centralized and keep everything, you know, the money flows going up and not much going down. And, and at the end of the day, this is a new paradigm, right? I mean, play to earn hasn't been around for very long, uh, but we are seeing AAA studios get really interested in it. Ubisoft have, have talked about doing NFTs. There was even, you know, um, because a lot of gamers are, I mean, I mean, I would say the majority, uh, a very strong majority of gamers are against NFTs. It's not, it's not a popular thing right now amongst the average gamer. And even if you take uh, these sort of luminaries in the video game industry, like um, uh, what's, what's the ex-Nintendo CEO called? Reggie. Um, Reggie, he's, he's the ex-CEO uh, of Nintendo America. And uh, he's, he's like this guy that all gamers just love this guy. You know, he's, he's a real hero in the space. But even he now is talking about, you know, he's interested in this thing. He's interested in NFT tech, you know, and um, it just it's going to take some of these big companies to kind of slowly uh, to take make the paradigm shift because gamers tend to be quite against new ways of uh, particularly monetization you know they get very concerned about this um thinking it's a grift thinking that companies are just going to rinse them so i think <clears throat> what it's going to take is doing this the right way and making sure that it isn't just a grift that it isn't just for the developers trying to make a whole bunch of money but there is there is power given to the players here there is something that they can see as oh wow actually hold on this digital item that i have has some value and and I could do things with this. I can actually take that somewhere else. I could I could go on, you know, <laughs> like Animal Crossing or something, make some incredible island, gorgeous, beautiful island, and spend a thousand hours on it. And when I'm, you know, getting a bit bored of it, I can actually, you know, liquidate that. I could liquidate that and move on to something else. And that's that's actually really quite powerful. 
you know, because you're then getting real value from your investment. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. of time in a game right yeah i've seen some youtube videos of people using minecraft to actually recreate heavy metal songs they just like uh, knock over a boulder and it hits all these other items on the way down and i can't imagine how many freaking hours and days and weeks it took to recreate that but yeah. it's amazing and it's dead on and it's really really good and if you could sell that world or access to that world or whatever it is uh, I think there would be a buyer for it because that's an incredible feat of human creativity. So when it comes to creativity, definitely Team Humanity is in the lead. And it'd just be a, an amazing way to create more marketplaces for this stuff. Where do you think yeah, the video game industry is going to be in terms of that in another 10 years from now? You know, can I take uh, my shirt from Fortmatic and put it into World of Work? Not Fortmatic, sorry. <laughs> um, Fortnite. Fortmatic's a wallet. <laughs> tells you where my <laughs> face is at all the time. <laughs> Take my shirt from Fortnite and put it in a World of Warcraft with a gun from Left 4 Dead and really yeah. customize everything across multiple blockchains and games and even studio vendors. Is is that okay. really the end goal that people are going to try and build or is this really just way too early to tell as gaming studios just kind of dip their toes in the water just to see if it's even viable? <sighs> It's a big question. Obviously, I can... I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't believe that's the use case, right? And let me explain why. You're talking about taking digital items from one game into another. Now, obviously, those two games, if they're totally compatible with each other, then yeah, sure, that, that, makes, that makes sense. You know, two developers could, have, could form a coalition and say, all right, my BFG 9000 from Doom or whatever, uh, ID Bethesda go and talk to um, CCP and say, you know what, 
let's try and rig up this BFG to a <laughs> to a super carrier spaceship or something. But there's an That's inherent we issue, all want. isn't there? Because well, of course, but but there's an inherent issue because then you're thinking, well, could the BFG go over to Lord of the Rings online? Should we have Gandalf that's like mopping up with a, with a massive thing? You know, what I'm trying to get at here is that... That's a million hit video games, in itself. There you go. Or just being able, games, to able to port Gandalf into the Doom world would be amazing. Oh, I would do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. But the, the point I'm trying to make, I think, is that games have to take a... Well, studios have to take an open source... Uh, paradigm to allow this kind of thing to happen and that could always have happened right there have been many cases when it has you know second life um playstation home i mean like that, that playstation home kind of died um it, it didn't do too, too well the point being that games are crafted for a very specific experience now of course you could craft a game where the specific experience is this interruptibility and a lot of people are doing that right now and they might they might indeed be very uh successful you know more as kind of like engines i guess or, or sandboxes that allow for it uh so fortnite it works right because they just have ips that they bring in and you know minecraft roblox these kind of games they're very they're very successful and they will do with this interruptibility but it's not going to work with infinite fleet it's not going to work you, you know you're not going to be able to bring spaceships over to high fantasy it doesn't quite make sense. And I do think the blockchain, obviously, it, it helps remove some of the friction on this side. But at the, in the first place, developers have to go with this open uh, source mindset of, yeah, sure, you can take my IPs and bring them wherever you want. And that's just a case of the paradigm of the person who's building it, not necessarily the technology that they're building it with. So will it happen in the future? I mean, it could. Um, but the question is, do, do people want it? I mean, I, I would say that it kind of already has happened in some games. Like I said, Minecraft, Fortnite, you know, it's, it's already happened. But I wouldn't call it some massive revolutionary thing that's going to take the entire gaming world by storm simply because people will always want to play Dark Souls and go through on a linear you know, game that is that does have a kind of locked uh, ecosystem as such. But what might be interesting is that if I do have, um, you know, something amazing on Minecraft that I've built, like you, like you mentioned, the death metal song or something, if I can capture that as an NFT somehow, something that points to that and just trade the key to someone else to have ownership, well, there's something. You know, like I say, I think I'm a strong believer in the free market idea rather than the interruptibility of uh, gaming items, because I think games actually need to be centralized. The game itself. I think the game needs to be centralized. I just think that the opportunity to trade goods should be open. Makes sense. And you know what? As I'm listening to you talk, I think I figured out what the missing piece in this ecosystem is, and that's royalties as a service. If you could monetize an item or a character, or a logo across anywhere. And the amount of plays or views or attention mm. could then be streamed back to that thing. You know, that's something that NFTs allow. Um, then I think you know, companies would be much more open with you know, opening up the different little interesting things in their world. Yeah, you, you NFT the IP as such or the rights to it. Um, yeah. which, 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 I, you know, I mean, cause I, th I think there's some interesting stuff going on with music and blockchain at the moment. And, and I think this is something that's quite a similar, similar idea. Um, Definitely. I think that could be, that could be a thing. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that's there's, quite interesting. There's, uh, there's things out there like uh, streamer, which is essentially trying to do like streaming money for, um, workspaces, but this could actually just be 
you know, let's say you wanted to use Batman in Left 4 Dead or something, you know, and you're, you know, paying, you know, so much, you know, per subscription for whatever that service is that allows that. And then a portion of that is going back to DC for allowing yeah. you to play as Batman. Well, I think that's interesting because I think, you know, because if you take, for example, security tokens, right? So security tokens will, uh, you know, you can build the compliance and all the kind of rules into the digital asset, right? So if you could do something similar with uh, with IP and the rights to an IP, then I, th I think that you're quite onto something there because that, you know, it, it, again, it's a, it's a free market attitude. It just it just takes whether or not the companies are are up for it, you know, whether they, whether yeah. they want to do that. Um, because so they the might want to be very here. protective. Of course. Yeah, it is. Naturally, sure is. they want to protect not just their IP, but their profits mostly. You know, they yep. don't want Batman to appear in some game that, you know, is going to be outlawed or is horrible, you know, by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. But, you know, they can, you know, have certain partnerships with certain ecosystems and games. And I think it'd just be a lot of fun, like how, um, you know, Marvel versus Capcom was like the very first like crossover fighting game where you're like, Oh, this is badass or, you know, street yep. fighter versus mortal Kombat or whatever it was. And, you know, it was just the most fun thing at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, for I sure. think, I think there's going to be a renaissance of that. And I sure, I certainly hope there is Uh yeah, there's going to be some technical issues, but as far as, you know, royalties as a service, uh, the technology for that exists already. It's just the tools have not been built and finalized and marketed yet, but you know, we'll have you on again on the podcast, you know, in the next few years to see, you know, where things are at. And, you know, it may exist at that time. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> it sounds so, great. <laughs> besides Infinite Fleet and anything you're building there at Pixelmatic, what are some other games that really showcase the next gen level of thinking of crypto and blockchain and gaming or play to earn that, you know, we should really keep an eye on just to understand, not necessarily play and have it consume our lives, but just to <laughs> understand where this space is moving. Are there any examples? Uh, I'm going to be, um, I think it's a tough question because I think a, a lot of the more popular ones are the kind of copying of the stuff, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I mean, there's like a million know. copies of Bitcoin that that's usual. Anytime, yes. anytime something's really good, there's a bunch of copies that are going to come out that change one letter. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, I think in terms of blockchain games that I think are good, or the, the ones that I think that are, you know, that, that I quite like, I would say Gods Unchained. I quite like Gods Unchained. I think they're doing something pretty, pretty cool there because I think they, they approach it in a similar way, free market way. Um, you know, you can play the game for free. You can enjoy it. You don't actually need to really have known anything about blockchain to play it. But you can, and I think that's the approach that I that I particularly like. Uh, and Spells of Genesis was one that I really liked as well. I mean, that that's like old, you know. And I'm not, I don't even know if it's still going. I haven't played it in a long time. I, I guess it must be. But it was one of the first in this industry that that was that was doing something. And you know, they had some really great gameplay. It was really good fun. Um, and again, yeah, they 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 took that approach that then they're not shoving the sort of you know you, you do have to download a, um, a dap in order to to play it with the with the block with the nft assets and things um but the base game you can play without any of that and i think that's that's a good way to approach it other than that um that um, i'm waiting to see a, a real trailblazer i think that alluvium obviously is getting a lot of attention that could be interesting i think alluvium could be interesting it seems to be it, i think that's the one that's spending the most time on actually developing something 
um, and and they've got quite far with it as far as I can see. So I've got my eyes on Alluvium to see where they go. They've got they've got an interesting game there, I think. Well, that's great. So hmm. let's even backtrack even further because we've been hearing all kinds of stuff about metaverse play to earn. Can you really highlight the difference for us in a way so we can understand? You know, one is kind of like the other, but not really. Hmm. Well, I, I don't think the metaverse has been defined. I think the problem is that, um, in my view, I, I, sorry, the past couple of questions, I've maybe been a little bit pessimistic. I don't mean to be. It's just that I think the metaverse is, is quite directly, I would say it's just marketing buzz um, and it doesn't actually mean anything. I don't think anyone really knows what metaverse means. You know, the metaverse is, if we if we say, okay, an online digital world where people can have a, an avatar and they can, uh, you know, interact with other people, other products maybe, um, and and whatever. If we're talking about this kind of online platform, that's been around since the early noughties. You know, that's been around since Second Life. Super Mario um, 64. Well, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> in a way, yeah. It's just online gaming, essentially. So I think... I think metaverse seriously needs to be defined. What what is it that people actually mean? Because what I see a lot of the time is some incredible marketing hype. You know, you'll get this gorgeous lady wearing some kind of VR headset, and everyone goes, "Oh, step into this the metaverse as uh, the fourth dimension of this and that and whatever." And then you open it up, and it's just like a sort of <laughs> looks like an old browser game where people are just going across with some really terrible graphics, and you're like, "What on earth is happening?" Um, right. But like, how could there be so many metaverses popping up all at the same time? It didn't make yes. sense. Uh, no, I, I think I, I don't buy into it personally. I think it's a fad that's going to disappear very soon. In fact, like I say, PlayStation Home, that's a metaverse, I think, died. No one wanted it. Um, will it happen again? I, I just don't think people care that much. I think that people, what people care about is that they can make money from it. I think it's marketing. I think it's hype. I think that most people are just hoping that they can get into this thing so they can make some money uh, and someone else who buys their stuff is holding the bags. Um, so no, I'm going to be quite serious about it. I, I don't believe in it. And I think that if we go too far anyway, if we're taking like some black mirror ideas where we're all living in pods, um, I don't think that's a good thing, you know? <laughs> so I don't think uh, that's pessimistic at all, Chris. I think it's very realistic <laughs> and honest. So I appreciate that answer. And I tend to agree with you. You know, we just saw, you know, the ape world or whatever it's actually called. You know, they, oh, they just did a drop right? of their lands, uh, launched Ethereum gas up to like 46,000 guay yeah. at one point. Uh, and it's absolutely ridiculous. And I yes. see so many different lands popping up now. Like, who is really going to hang out in these things all the time? I really mm -hmm. do think it, a lot of it is just price speculation and stuff. And I think there will be a few winners that were there very, very early at some of these launches or pre-launches and yeah, there are going to be a lot of people left holding the bag probably forever because yeah. the idea of actual land on earth is that it's scarce. Earth is not growing in size. It's not going to get bigger. This is a scarce resource, but there's mm. any number of millions or billions of metaverses that can be spun up. And unless yeah. there's just, you know, one or two that can tackle, you know, 90% of the market share, I think those are the only ones that are really going to have value. Um, I, I think so. The too. rest are probably going to go away. Well, that's it. And, and look, at the end of the day, um, the way I see these things is um, a bit of fun. You know, some people think, ah, you know what? It's a bit of a laugh. Get a, a board ape for whatever. And if it's money that you're willing willing to lose, right? 
fine. You know, it's a casino. That's a, that's okay. Fine. Sure. If, that, if that's how you approach these things, no problem. Um, but if it's a serious, you know, if you're making a serious investment and you're putting your life savings on the line, I would not buy a board ape by any means. Um, but yes. So, um, so for, for this, this metaverse idea, yeah, I, I, I think that it's just promising too much without delivering a product a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, I, I think that to go back, you know, we're talking about play to earn, right? I'm not a big fan of this actual uh, wording. So if you say play to earn, it's like, well, that's what the game has been crafted for so that you can get in there and make money. Now, that's great if it's a byproduct of the game, in my opinion. If you've got an amazing game that's really, really fun, it's, you know, you just really enjoy this thing and you're having a lot of fun times with, with your friends, being social, you know, carving a legacy in the universe, all this kind of thing, great. And, and if you can make a, a little bit of money doing that, that's great too. But the problem, I think, with a lot of these things, like you hit the nail on the head there, many of them are going to die. And the ones that do are the ones that are focused so much on the investment side rather than the actual product, rather than the game and making it fun and social immersive. Um, you know, the, these are the ones that are just focused on the economics. They're going to die. They're, they're a pump and dump because they, they, yeah. can't, they, they can't. They can't scale. They, they can't go long term. You know, with a game, you need something that's going to last for a decade or two decades, you know, for sure. Yeah, that's true. And the games that I really fell in love with when I was younger, you know, I still want to play today just because they were that much fun. And I didn't care if I had to pay for it or, you know, if it was paying me. But the idea of doing something that I like to do and instead of having to pay a subscription for it, but instead there's a symbiotic ecosystem that's built in where I can contribute to it and actually make a living uh, as an artist or a miner or a coder or just a participant in someone else's raid, like a mercenary for hire, and that's mm-hmm. all permitted, uh, I think is really, really cool. And yes, you know, it, it would have definitely changed the perception of video games growing up for a lot of us had that <laughs> been there in the first place. But, you know, it was, too, it was way ahead of its time. But now it's here. Um, esports is a thing. You know, you can very justifiably say, like, I'm a professional gamer, and this pays my bills. And that's oh, true yeah. for hundreds of thousands of people. So yeah, uh, yeah maybe sure. millions it's at this point. I don't know. Well, that was the dream, man. I mean, when, we, when I was a kid, you know, I said, oh, I've got to go to university. I've got to get a real job. You know? ugh. <laughs> but uh, ugh, ugh, what's going on? But, but I, th- I think, yeah, millennials, Gen Zs, they're growing up in a world where they can, they can make some very serious money, actually, being a streamer, being an esports competitor, I mean, the payouts in some of these Dota tournaments and things are absolutely phenomenal. You know, um, of course, you have to be top of the game. I don't, I don't think an, you know, an average game is going to struggle a little bit. But where this space does open that up is that, that there might be something more for the average Joe as opposed to the absolute pinnacle top player, maybe. Uh, or at least that, that's, that's the hope, right? That's the hope. Absolutely. Uh, more opportunities for more people. That's the name yeah. of the game in crypto. So with that uh, in mind, uh, just a couple more questions before we let you go. You know, aside from anyone that you're working with directly, who's someone in the crypto space or the gaming world that really inspires you to continue doing what you do? Um, In the crypto space, uh, I'm going to sound like such a maxi here, but I, (laughs) I really do resonate with Michael Saylor, to be honest. I really do. And the reason for that is because I guess... 
I, I kind of find a lot of the sort of anarchistic side of things a little bit hard to get on board with. I'm, I, I, I think, it, you know, the idea of a completely anarchistic Bitcoin world is, is, is not exactly my cup of tea necessarily, although I do believe strongly in hyper-Bitcoinization. But what I really like about Michael Saylor is that he's, his message is very easy to swallow. And he does believe that, you know, things should be regulated. And to be honest, so do I. I think there's, you know, back in, what was it, 2016, 2017, when all those ICOs came up, how many people lost their life savings over these things? You know, these unregulated uh, securities, which is what they were, you know, these ICOs, DAOs, all this kind of thing, they're, they're completely unregulated Wild West stuff. And a lot of people got hurt with these things because someone can, you know, just mint a coin, call it Chris coin, get some celebrity to pump it. And then bang, people are just wiped out, rug pulled. Um, and, you know, his approach to rolling out Bitcoin essentially across the corporate world, allow, you know, allowing for things, you know, pushing the message of, you know, how this thing should be seen as, as an asset class and whatever. I, I do strongly believe in that. And I think he's going to do a lot for Bitcoin adoption. I mean, he already has, but I, I think he's doing a lot for Bitcoin adoption. And that that really excites me because I, I'd love to work in, uh, live in a, a hyper-Bitcoinized world. I'd love to be able to, uh, you know, pay for a Starbucks over the Lightning Network and all that kind of thing. I, th- I think that would be a wonderful thing. So, yeah, Michael yeah. Saylor really was uh, a great justification from traditional finance and he's been a great evangelist for bitcoin yes. ever since he got on board so um i think you know where there is still a time of question or not of you know the validity of bitcoin in the world at large aside from you know those of us who are crypto native uh, i think he was a great bridge to help you know a lot of people and a lot of funds cross that that river into crypto so great answer yeah. um and lastly, if you could give us some words of advice, not just for getting into crypto, but if we wanted to get into gaming, if there's a lot of people out there that are going to go download their first browser game or log into their first, you know, play to earn thing, you know, what's some words of advice that you would give people to either you know, allow them to have more fun or just some dangers to watch out for? So do you mean, so just to clarify the question, do you mean specifically in the sort of play to earn space or just gaming in general? Oh uh, yeah, the play to earn space. Play to earn space. Okay. Well, if you're looking at if you're looking at this as as kind of an investment, um, you know you're you're hoping to find a project where you know, like you said earlier on, that you might be able to make a bit of side uh, cash or you know even work during retirement or something like that. My advice is to look for a game that's going to be long lasting, um, that's that has a really great product, that has a really great team. Um, and something that that is scalable, I think. Uh, and in order to really kind of achieve that, I think you need to see gameplay. Um, and if it looks kind of old and <laughs> a little bit a bit rubbish, I'd probably stay away. Uh, if you if you're seeing this in the long term, so I guess the approach I'm saying is look at the team who's building it and look at the roadmap and see if this is going to be a really great game. So to shill infinite fleet a little bit here i've got to say that you know our team really is a solid team of triple a veterans right so like jason lee our chief creative he was like the lead gameplay designer on age of empires 4 which is just massive ip right uh wayne our director of art he actually worked on the one of the first ever 3d animated spider-man shows at sony he worked on fifa in ea um 
so you know we've been led by some some really really incredible luminaries uh, and AAA veterans here. So we're we're taking a very long time term view for Infinite Fleet. This is a game that we want to last for decades, right? Something that's going to be like Eve Online. That's going to really capture people's imagination and create an incredible community. So I would say look at something like that. I mean, if Infinite Fleet's not your cup of tea, then then obviously, you know, look elsewhere for something that's high fantasy or something that's doing the same thing. But it should but be at least as good of quality. I would say so. I'd say at least you're, you're, you should be looking at something that's a game, not just about the economy. If they're constantly talking about the economy this, the financials that, here's the white paper. I mean, when did games have a white paper? I <laughs> mean, you know what I mean? That... Well, you've got to, you've got to focus on the game, the product, in my opinion. Otherwise, I suspect there's going to be a rug pull because mostly the people who are building it are focused completely on the finances as opposed to the fun, which is the primary aspect. Because if there's no fun, players will find no value in the items long term. That is fantastic advice, Chris. Thank you so much. And where can we go check out Infinite Fleet for ourselves? infinitefleet.com um so yeah just to clarify it is infinite not infinity a lot of people uh, make the mistake of calling it infinity fleet but no it's, it's infinitefleet.com um yeah and you can check us out right there thank you so much for all your time and your wisdom today chris this has been really educational for me and i'm sure our audience as well so we look forward to having you back in the next couple of years or you know when infinity fleet or infinite infinite fleet <laughs> you did it <laughs> i did it now that you put planted that seed in my head ah! <laughs> or no when problem, infinite my fleet 2 may come out or when pixel pixelmatic releases another game so looking forward Sounds to continuing good. the conversation and we will continue bringing you the crusaders of crypt nation even more podcasts later this week thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you soon When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.